Hi, uh, welcome to the new voting project. My name is Kunal, still your host. You know, in a democracy, things tend not to change, so the host will remain the same. Um, but today we're here with Fatima um, Zubir, um, a candidate for state assembly in District 64 of uh, California. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. I understand being on a campaign is very busy from personal experience. So, so thank you for your time. Thank you for having me here. I'm really excited that you're, you know, doing this project is a really important topic. So I'm excited to engage with you on it. Of course, thank you. Oh, you do appreciate your discretion. Um, let's get into this first question. So just for our viewers, um, talk a little bit about your background. Um, you know, what, what got you into organizing activism and now a candidate, you know, running for elected office um, and touch on how college or do you think college prepared you to deal with your responsibilities? Yeah, so let me start with my background. You know, I, I consider myself like super multicultural um, because I, I'm Sri Lankan by heritage. I was born in um, Dubai, wow. you know, um, never really lived in Sri Lanka, but born in Dubai and then immigrated to Canada with my family. I immigrated to a province called Saskatchewan, which is like, you know, um, a lot of people, some people don't know, but it was the first province to get healthcare for all um, and became a Canadian citizen, then immigrated to uh, New Jersey and the U.S. and did high school and college there, lived in the Caribbean a little bit for grad school, and then found myself in California, um, you know, in 2009. So that's kind of like, you know, my background. I'm, and in terms of like my work, um, I'm an educator, you know, um, I'm specifically a STEM educator. Uh, and that's why issues of access, uh, you know, become really important to me because, you know, um, when you think about math and science and robotics, I mean, which communities have the best resources to really, you know, have their students be able to succeed, right, right. Um, in those areas. Um, and so, um, yeah, and um, so that's my background. Um, I also, you know, um, I started a robotics team at my high school, and I'm still a part of that and mentor that, and we do a lot of outreach. Um, why did first, I get into first organizing? robotics? Yeah, first robotics, yep. yeah. <laughs> the I, I went to the world championship a couple of years ago. Amazing. Yes. And my husband's team is actually a world championship. Uh, they're actually championships team 4201, which we bought. Shout out to them. Yeah. Um, yeah my team, like we, uh, we were finalists, I think, I think, you know, or you maybe even won, I forget, but we won a couple of awards, like judges award and things like that. But um, yeah, but super proud of them. Um, you know, but that they actually inspired me a lot because, you know, it's particularly when you see a program in a community like Watts, where it's 2% only of the community of college graduates. And then, you know, my team over 95% are in a four-year college many of them finishing up right now, you know, it's, it's, it shows how just having even one program there can really change the trajectory. Um, and then, you know, thinking about that, so that was educational equity is a huge issue for me, right? And, and it, it, was, it was kind of enough to be like, hmm, I, I need to get more involved in organizing. But the thing that really, you know, you know made me kind of go over the edge was that, um, you know, the water situation, like in Watts has a lot of, uh, you know, places where there's no clean water. It's, it's said to be the next Flint, particularly even my own school wasn't built following environmental code, just toxic areas all over where my students live, high levels of lead, like way higher, you know, than what it should be in the state. That's what really led me to go outside of the classroom was the environmental issues. Um, and I soon saw it's all tied, you know, to development and how development happens without, you know, just, just bypassing, you know, um, environmental regulations. And, Things like that. I'm really hoping right now my son doesn't run it. That was my biggest. <laughs> you might it's it. okay. That, that'll, it'll be. You'll become part of the interview. Don't worry. It'll become part of the interview, and I'm also a mom. <laughs> so, <laughs> that helps. Yeah, so I am also a mom. 
Um, you know, my son's also my son's autistic, has special needs, and right now he's he's actually with his uh, ABA therapist, so they should hopefully should be okay. But um, yeah, but um, so you know, education's really big. Environmental issues is really big, and just kind of organizing in a nutshell in the, the community, seeing that. And this is a myth. People sometimes may say, hey, people in low-income communities are so busy. Do they know what's going on? They do. Come on. They know when they're getting sick. They know when the quality of food is not as good. They know when their water is coming out brown. Like, they know when their schools aren't giving them what they should be getting, right? The issue is that we've had our elected officials not listening for so long that even community leaders have lost trust, right? That's what led me. I applied to be a commissioner to Gibson's office, actually my opponent's office. Uh, that's what eventually made me a candidate. I, I didn't think even at that point I would be a candidate. I was ready to make change with the assembly member's office, right? Right. Um, but didn't really see that to be an avenue to do. So it was more like do the great work you're doing as a leader of the community. And I wanted to ask for the budget. I want to do all these other things. And I noticed myself being quiet in these meetings, right? Um, you know, a lot of, lot of corporate candidates, they're not really there to be held accountable. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a certain kind of... Um, a little bit of entitlement, I'll say it. I don't usually say those things about my opponent, but it's true, you know? Um, and so um, that's a big part of, well, the reason that I'm running is because then working with an activist from Food and Water Action, just kind of seeing my um, opponent's record um, was really what pushed me over the edge um, because he's had six years in there and just has a, you know, 22% Sierra Club score, Ds and Fs on his Courage score. These are, you know, report cards that, you know, um, independent kind of organizations do uh, to assess your voting record. I mean, the biggest corporate acceptor of money. And to me, you know, two years in a child's life is a huge difference. I'm not going to wait till he terms out in 2026. You know, it could cause someone to get asthma in that stage or cancer or, you know, affect a child's education, their growth. And, and to me, that urgency was there to run. And then you, the second part of your question was about, you know, does college prepare you, right? Was it to run for office or to organize, Kunal? What was the specific question? I guess... Um handle i guess since you're running for office do you think college prepared you to you know be an elected official and assume those responsibilities um yes but i think honestly life more prepares you because i don't want to sit here saying college is, is for everyone or should be for everyone because um it you know especially the cost of college right now and, and also like you know there's different pathways for people i'm, I'm raising my son with the mentality that he should be whatever he wants and that requires college and it does, but it doesn't always, I, my whole thing is access should be there. But anyway, did college prepare me? Um, my answer is, I, I don't think so. Uh, but I don't, I mean, I had leadership positions in college. I'm a, I'm a bit older than you, right? So I'm trying to remember way back then, but I did. And so I guess those opportunities to be a leader on campus, you know, I, I led different clubs and I was part of this, you know, um, I was part of just different community service groups and things like that. Being a leader helped me. I was on a track team, the track team. So just learning time management, that helped me. But honestly, I'll go back to what I started with. Like it was really life experiences that I think really helped me um, to, to be at this point. You know, my work as a teacher and my, my experience as an immigrant, you know, living near where 9-11 happened, right? Um, uh, and knowing what it feels like to be an other, my experience being a mom, right? To a son who's autistic, working through the public school system and advocating for him right? My experience seeing what my students go through and, you know, just dropping them home, talking to their families and seeing what they go through day to day, right? To me, that prepares you, right? Uh, to be an elected leader way more than a college education. All right. Yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's a good answer. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Um, and I guess tying into that, 
is do you think that's what's contributed to drawing you into you know community organizing activism that was it that was the catalyst moment when you recognized your elected officials had essentially failed in essence yes particularly i mean just to keep it short yeah like i mean that that was a catalyst because i didn't sit sit there when i was in high school or college and say one day i'm going to be a politician i being a teacher you know was the happiest i've ever been in my life like i you know, I've had elements where I've, I've had anxiety, you know, it just, you know, like everyone has different, different things. And there are situations that give me anxiety. I always used to tell my husband, you know, when I was in the classroom, like I was just like my best. I got so much from my students and I, you know, I, I, I had no anxiety about my job and it was just like the best thing in the world. I got, they always, my students always made me smile, you know, like even, even the, even through the bad days, you know, like, um, especially in Watts, the community there is so raw, authentic. I'm um, honest and it's I got so much out of that and I literally fell in love with the community and so yes that you know the catalyst that got me to run was honestly it was two things it was like I literally fell in love with the community so much um like be like I got so invested in it I would be the last to leave school the janitor would be like Fatima it's time to go we're closing up you know and um you know and, and, and just doing that and and being so invested in it and then yes seeing the elected official and you know knowing the beauty of the community, the power in the district and the community and seeing that lack of representation, it literally broke my heart. I'm like, how do you sleep at night doing this? Like the people in here are so talented. The students are so talented. The kids are so talented. The youth are wanting more and more, you know, and then, uh, and like, I, it just, that sort of investment and then seeing the dichotomy, right, of elected officials and the lack of care and love they put into their role is just, that's what got me to run. Right. Yeah. And as a candidate, what are what are some of the policies you're advocating for? What are what are the objectives you want to accomplish in the um, California State Assembly? Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind, and it's tied to a lot of the things that I'll say after, is I want to make the system, you know, this is over encompasses all my policies make work for everyone. And to me, it's two things, right? We have to keep doing direct actions. Um, on the streets. You see that with Sunrise Movement, Black Lives Matter, I mean, local movements. I mean, we got to keep doing that. But it also, it's an inside-out strategy. So we have to get the right people in, not just me. The, we need to build a people-powered movement to get the right candidates in. And the way that we do that is through, yes, people power, but we can do some policy things to get that done. Publicly funded elections, right, um, is, is one thing that's really important. Um, limiting corporate contributions, lowering the spending limits, you know, like limiting how much a candidate can spend on an election or be allowed to spend by inside and outside expenditures, right? Because it's it's crazy how much money is in elections and it puts a lot of grassroots working class candidates at a disadvantage. Um, something else I want to do though to, to make, make that happen is also voting rights. And we're talking about voting rights, but it's also in my policy is I want to expand voting rights. I want to let 16 year olds vote in school board elections. I want to let undocumented immigrants vote in local elections. I want to let those in prison vote as well because I think these are all forms of voter suppression when we don't have automatic voter registration everywhere, when we try to limit the electorate of who can vote, um, we're, we're literally leaving people out of the process and that's bad for the voter and the, the, the citizen, right? Uh, and, and that community member, but it's also bad for the, for a good candidate that's trying to get in, right? Because the people that would vote that are restricted to vote right now are the ones that would vote for those working class candidates that have those real life experiences, you know? So I, I wanna really do things that would change the system. And of course, in summary, you know, if I believe if we do those things, we'll get things like single payer passed. We'll get things like, I'm so sorry. We'll get things like single payer passed, like my computer with notifications. We'll get things like 
you know, the Green New Deal passed and clean air and clean water everywhere. We'll get, you know, we'll get adequate funding for the public education system, right? We'll, we'll solve our housing crisis. Why? And this sounds very simple, but it's true. If you, if you talk to the progressive legislators from up there, you have, you'll have enough candidates that are not bought out that are just want to do the work, that, that understand that justice is love and love is justice, right? And like, that's the way that they will legislate. That's the way they would vote, to put it simply. Right. Yeah, those are good answers. <laughs> You're answering a lot of the questions I'm about to ask. <laughs> um, but I guess let's let's circle back to last year, 2020, crazy, you know, almost insane and hard to understand in some ways. We had an election, we were in a pandemic, uh, crimson, you know, orange skies in California, fires. I mean, uh, this year there were some earthquakes. Give me you know, your to give me, give me, you know, your perspective, your thoughts on the 2020 election cycle, municipal, your election, general, you know, wh what did you think of what happened last year? Yeah, just in my particular election or like just in general for 2020? All of it. All, All of it? Yours oh included. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, huh? Yours included, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so honestly, I'm glad Trump's out of office, number one. <laughs> That's the first thing. Yeah. Um, thank God, uh, you know, because he did so many executive orders. I mean, just his influence, you know, in the ex that executive role, but also just the moral, of, the morale of the country, right? So thank God he's out of office, first of all, you know. Um, and um, the, the other thing is, um, I, you know, one thing about the 2020 elections, yeah, it was crazy during a pandemic. I mean, I know a lot of campaigns, you know, especially grassroots campaigns who want to do fields like mine, they couldn't knock on doors. And that was a, a you know, serious disadvantage. Um, fundraising is a serious disadvantage too because you can't go have events. I mean, everything was virtual and that really restricts some of the ways you can reach voters and you know engage with with progressive donors and things like that. Um, but you know, I guess I, I'm trying to think of you know. Um, well, the other thing was I'm I'm glad that we have the majorities we have in the house and you know and and, and as well and um, and you know. Um, I, I guess I'm glad I'll say this too. I'm, I'm just giving like my overarching, my first thoughts that come to my mind. I'm glad like we have Alex Lee in the state assembly, you know, who got elected. Shout out to Alex really... Lee, who I'm trying to interview, by the way. Oh, is he hard to get in touch with? I can get you in touch with him. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, okay, no, yeah. We love Alex Lee. I'm from the East Bay, man. I'm like 30 minutes. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, put you guys in an email. I mean, he's great. So like, honestly, he's he's the highlight for me of, of 2020. You know, I'm glad we got Leslie, like him elected. Um. You know, and then I, the other thing that's in the front of my mind, and I, maybe it's because I choose, I'm an optimist, I choose to focus on hope, you know, but um, I'm also glad that in LA, we, we uh, you know, had this progressive energy, right? And I, and I know San Francisco, I feel like it's a little more ahead in this progressive energy than we are, the, the uh, Northern California, but we had this, this kind of progressive energy in LA, you know, um, around some, some candidates and, and a lot of them, you know, got elected, the others built movements. I feel like mine, like, even though I didn't win, I definitely, like, I remember talking to voters, like, the last days, they're like, Fatima, like, you invigorated something, like, in our living room, like, you know, we, you know, we, you know, we're just so excited, we've never had a candidate like you in South LA, and so I know, like, um, it, it just, it, there was this, there's something stewing in LA right now, right, there's this progressive sort of things happening, if you talk to other candidates from LA, that is really exciting, and it gives me a lot of hope, and I think it's invigorating, you know, people and young people and just democratic voters, independent voters alike. I mean, I think they're just invigorated and that's exciting to me. And I felt like 2020, you know, was the start of some of that energy. Yeah. 
No, I believe it. 2020 was crazy. Uh, I mean, I lost several elections, won a couple elections, and then hopped on like three races later in later half of November that I'm continuing to be on. So yeah. And then uh, I don't know if you know, Janini's running in yeah. Oakland, big supporter of Janini. Um, we have another state Senate race here. Aisha Wahab is running. Um, so plenty of progressive candidates came out of the 2020 election um, and more to come, hopefully, especially after redistricting. Um, but I just want to move on and talk, like I said, the central theme of this channel is to talk about voting rights. Um, and we see in places like Georgia, Texas, imposing heavy restrictions on minorities, the access to ballots, the amount of absentee ballots, you know, even criminalizing poll working in some ways. Um, give me your thoughts on what's happening in these states as a reaction to the 2020 election. Yeah, I think it's awful, first of all. I mean, just to put it bluntly, um, I think if we consider ourselves, you know, that we want to aim to be a democracy, we should make it as easy to vote as possible and, you know, open access to as many as possible, like people to vote, right? That's, I mean, as plain and simple as what I think about it. I think it's a lot of fear mongering, a lot of fear tactics to suppress the vote. Um, you know, a lot of times to help one party, right? Um, and I think that's sad. Like, it's like, um, if you really want to win, run a good candidate, right? I mean, do it the right way, but do not take away people's, you know, freedoms and right, you know, to vote. It's like the most basic right, I feel like, you know, um, that we should have in a country like America, you know, I mean, it's just, it, yeah, I mean, those are my thoughts on it, to be honest. So, like, I just think that, um, you know, I mean, I talked about my, my policies is I, I feel like we need to expand voting rights, honestly, and make it easier. So the fact that there are folks out there in the country um, who are trying to suppress it and make it harder, like it just, it just is bonkers to me. It doesn't even make sense. Cause I'm like, so you want to like reduce democracy and reduce access to people. Um, and that just seems like that seems, that's just very undemocratic. I mean, it's just not right to put it simply. Right. I mean, it shouldn't be happening. I mean, that's how you have more corporations and special interests and, you know, uh, outliers, right? Let's call it controlling the political process is, you know, when you have more people involved, that's how you really get, make sure that the representation that we're having is representative of, of people, right? I mean, the more you limit voting, you're gonna start, you're gonna start getting a government and policies that are just not reflective and not controlled by all, but just controlled by some, and that's scary. Right, and I guess it's a very simple question I ask all the interviewees which is how important is the right to vote? How important is voting? You know, I really want to help people understand the significance, you know, the, the entire purpose of, you know, everything that happens, in my opinion, has to do with voting. So yeah. what, what, what do you think? You know, a couple of things came to mind when you asked that question. First, I think we need to abolish the Electoral College, is my opinion. Uh -huh. I, I, and I think it's because it'll make that one vote, one voice even more, right, powerful. Not that it isn't. It is so powerful. But part of the reason I want to abolish the Electoral College is for that. I think that it, um, you know, we need to, I want to get to one vote, one voice. I want to make it just as democratic as possible. And the Electoral College doesn't allow for that, that sort of level of uh, democracy, right? Um, but no, voting is, is really important. I mean, I, I think of, you know, Bernie Sanders, like winning his first election with, I think, one vote or two votes. Shout out to Bernie, who I'm also trying to interview. 
<laughs> if you're watching this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, it makes such a such a difference. I mean, we recently had from Bernie's election, we had a recent election in Compton, where a candidate I endorsed lost an election by one vote, I believe it was two. Wow. One vote, and it is so important. And I'm I'm going to tell you why. It's because you know I'm not I'm not trying to sound Trumpy in here or anything like that, right at all. But we, it's so important that all of us vote, right? Because when more of us vote, right, it just, like I said, it repeat, and repeating what I said, it, it makes it so that um, the majority, like we have the right person elected, to put it simply. I mean, that's, that's it, right? So even if the other side tries tactics, suppresses the vote, interferes in the election, what have you, if enough of us vote, if each of us says that my voice is important and your voice is important, everyone's voice is important, it's going to even, I feel like, potentially anything that's shady that the other side's trying to do or anything that's being done, it'll overcome that, right? And, and that's part of the reason I'm starting field early to make it early is like, it's literally about voting, right? Like, honestly, we have the recall election coming up in California, right? I've been telling, um, you know, it's scary. And I just want to bring that up because it's scary how many Democrat, Democratic voters, like, you know, aren't aware of when their ballot's coming or even know that it's happening when we're at the doors. And so that's part of the reason one of the first questions we ask is, do you know about the recall election? Do you know what the questions are? Before even talking about my campaign, right? Um, so it's so important to vote because like, for example, in California now, we might get a Republican governor if we don't, right? And then what will happen to all the bills that pass? I mean, it's just going to reset us, right? Reset our state or make it go backwards. And so, um, yeah, so I mean, just being aware of your rights, right to vote is such a, such a root of any democracy. It is the way we get change happen. I mean, if you think about getting the right candidates up there, it starts with voting. If you think about, um, you know, just issues you care about, right? Like if you care about issues, when you vote for a candidate, you're not just voting for the candidate, you're voting for an issue. Propositions, right? A lot of times when people know about propositions, right? Um, we, we see the influence of corporate influences who are getting their money into these proposition races and, you know, essentially not giving a chance for the right conclusion to happen, right? Out of that proposition, to call that Prop 15 and I believe Prop 21 and Prop 22, right? Prop 22, um, yeah, exactly. So it's not just candidates, right? It's also propositions. It's anything you vote on is so important. And in my mind, it is a way to beat those corporate interests to say, you know what? You're funneling all this money into it, but I am going to choose to vote and do my research and vote or talk to someone I trust, right? And, and, and make a decision on how I'm going to vote. And it's almost like, you know, telling all those corporations, all those special interests that, you know what? Like, I, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to vote anyway, right? And I think for people that didn't always have the right to vote with women, whether it's black folks, and I hope that one day we'll say undocumented immigrants because I want them to get the right to vote too, you know, at least locally, right? Because they're such a, such a important part of our state, especially in California. Um, I think then, even, you know, it becomes even more important, right, to appreciate that, right? Because knowing that those in your history, right, in your lineage in this country did not have that right. You know, and just understanding the, the difference that makes um, in, in, in using your voice for good. Yeah, makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is, um, you know, in closing, you know, they mm -hmm. call our generation Gen Z. Um, I don't know why they call it that. Um, <laughs> I don't know where they got Z from. What does it stand for? What does that Z stand for? I don't even know. Like, <laughs> uh, I guess we just chose our favorite letter Z. You know, Z, it sounds good. I mean, Gen A, eh. Gen <laughs> no. B, no, sounds like downgrade. Gen Z, 
you know, it has a little ring to it. Um, but how do we, as you know, I'm, I'm 17, I'll be voting in my first election next year. Oh, yeah, I'm a poll worker, you know, we're out here, you know, we're doing these things, but a majority of teenagers, you know, are either disillusioned or like me, or just don't pay attention, you know? So how do we get involved in voting, elections? You know, what's your advice to us as the graduating class? Yeah, um, I would say, okay, the first thing that actually comes to mind is a lot of candidates are on social media, right? And now also on Snapchat, I know a lot of young people are on there as well. So I think just like um, following those candidates on social media is a good way to kind of, um, you know, be active of like as to what they're doing and things like that. Um, and I think online, like everything is on the web these days, right? I mean, if you want to search you know, who is my congressperson? Something will come up to help you find your congressperson. Who is my assembly person? Who is my state senator? I mean, I would say like, just use the resources your young people use anyway, which is going online, social media to find out who's representing you or who the candidates are you want to back, right? Start there. And then of course, dig deeper and figure out, you know, well, what are, what are the issues I really care about? Are these candidates reflective, right? How do I want to vote in this proposition? You know, um, and you know, I think yeah, getting involved is so important. I think particularly for young people, I want to say this because honestly, you're going to be on this planet for a while, for a long time, right? Longer than me. And so it's like, it matters. It matters. Your voice matters because it's your future ultimately. It's as simple as that. It's your future. And so um, definitely get involved. And, and, you know, like I said, like, you know, going online on social media um, is a great way to do that. Um, and also network. Like, you know, you, you, your friends may know something you don't know, right? Maybe one of your friends parents or uncle is in like is like involved in politics right that's great now use that network use that person to ask questions and, and figure out more information i mean that's how i did it as a candidate right it's just networking and figuring out okay this person can give me this resource and I, I can help this person with this resource right so i think just using your networks of young people right to figure out hey like maybe we have folks in here um, who are in politics or are family members in politics that i can kind of pick their brain and ask some questions so those are my suggestions but definitely get involved um, help the candidates you want to support get involved because um, just like you asked about voting to me that is also a right just civic engagement looks many different ways it's through voting but it also is through making sure you know about the issues in the candidates and then it goes a step further in supporting those issues in those candidates right it's all part of civic engagement and I, like I said it's so important because this is your future um, more than it is anyone else right yeah no it is my future and you mm -hmm. should definitely vote for me um, I run first no, I'm playing um, well, yes, thank you so much uh, for, for that. I understand you do have to go somewhere after this. Um, how can viewers stay updated on your platform? Yes, and I'm sorry for all the notifications as well. No, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. Campaign life. We're trying to yeah, get a real perspective on how campaigns okay, okay. operate. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Um, too, many, too many calendar reminders, too many Slack notifications. That's how they, it operates. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but... Um, you know, folks can get in touch in a couple of ways. Um, you know, my website has everything. So it's just www.fatima, F-A-T-I-M-A, for F-O-R, assembly.com. Um, there's ways you can volunteer there, donate. Um, you know, if you're under 18, though, you can't donate, but you can get your parents to donate, right? Um, that always helps grassroots candidates like me. But you can volunteer. I mean, whether you're actually in San Francisco or L.A. or anywhere else, you can always volunteer. So sign up on the Get Involved form, um, and we'll connect you, right, with any opportunity, whether it's, social media, it's a policy to direct voter contact, whatever you're into, like we can get you involved, we can train you. Um, and I think, 
yeah, that's that's the best way to focus. Just my website has all the resources that you need um, to find out how to get involved. Perfect. And uh, your Twitter? I'll, I'll link everything in the description too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, my Twitter is Fatima, the number four assembly. Um, so Fatima, the number four and then assembly. And my Instagram and Facebook is just Fatima, F-O-R assembly. Cool. Um, and you have to follow Oh, me. and I'm on Snapchat. Really? I have to tell my, my team will be, yes, I'm on Snapchat too. So not Snapchat, I'm on TikTok. That's TikTok. I mean. You TikTok. see, this is, why, this is why I'm a millennial and not a Gen Zer. Yeah. <laughs> you see, we're like, we're not as, as good. No, okay. In my opinion, I think TikTok is the real pandemic, if you ask me. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm not right. into it either, so. Yeah, it's okay. So anyway, it's talking about the number four assembly. I, I haven't posted, we haven't, my team hasn't posted on there a lot, but we figured it's a good way to get, you know, young folks involved. A lot of young people are on there, so. Perfect. Yeah, and you have to follow me back on Twitter. Just as a pre, it's like a prerequisite to do. Oh, it. okay. So you follow me, I follow you. Got yeah, it. Got yeah. it. It's official now. We said it on here. So exactly. Yeah. No, I try to have everybody follow me back because really, without me, none of this would be possible. I like true, true, true. I'm playing. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, you should follow me. Um, is there anything you'd like to add before we close out? No, just um, like honestly, thank you so much. You had such great questions, and um, keep doing the good work you're doing. I hope if you're running for something, you get elected, you know, work hard and get yeah. elected. Maybe <laughs> do maybe, the work. If you do yeah. the work, you'll get elected. I'm sure you, I mean, that's like the immigrant mentality, right? I'm being sounding like such a mom right now, but seriously, just work hard, do all the right things, you know, you, you yeah. get it done. <laughs> yeah, that is the immigrant mentality. Um, well, yeah. well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. All right. um, you're always welcome back as a candidate or maybe as a state assembly woman, you're always welcome back to the show yes. about your policies. Uh, mm -hmm. And yes, enjoy the rest of the campaign and we'll plug all of your, all of your things in the description below. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kunal, and have a great day. You too. Bye.